This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does, he scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and much more. Sets up Molino, back to Boldy, shoots, and scores! The BC Kid returns home and scores his first. Goes to work for the Wild, centers one, Erickson Eck with a shot, he scores! Jewel Erickson Eck, he's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Bach. Hello and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn, Wednesday, April 27th. Apologies on behalf of myself, Zeke Boyan, and Justin Bakke. Missed last week's show, but sometimes when you do a fan-made podcast, life gets in the way. Uh, I was feeling not well on Wednesday. We tried to reschedule a couple times. Schedules got busy. So we're just going to do a massive episode today, cover everything we possibly can from the last two weeks. And then also try to preview the week ahead. So uh, this will be the ultimate test of our uh, our timeliness and talking and staying on point. Um, not sure what will happen here, but uh, we'll give it a go and see what happens. So uh, before we get into all that, we got to check in on everyone because it's been a couple weeks. Zeke, how you doing tonight, my friend? Uh, you know, usually doing good. Not much setting going around. It's been, you know, since we last talked, I went to a couple games. Uh, I've just been watching everybody else, but uh, nothing special, but uh, I'm doing good. It's uh, it's good to be back here again tonight. Absolutely. And Justin, what about you? Uh, doing well. It's been a hectic couple weeks. Uh, got to go to the Great Wolf Lodge, go to a wild game with uh, the oldest kid, and his oh. second hockey camp and baseball all started, so we've been running the kids to hockey, baseball, dance, whatever whatever you can think of, really. Uh, hectic, but good. Excited to hop back on here and talk some wild. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> Non-wild related to start, uh, currently as it stands, uh, Chicago up on Vegas. 2-1 to one, the end of the first. They scored Oof. with one second left in the period. And the Stars up 2 nothing on the Yotes. They scored two goals in their first four shots. So a Stars win or a Vegas loss, Vegas is out of the playoffs. So... Um, obviously that's sort of what we want, but at the same time, like we need Vegas to kind of win out to like secure home ice as well, which would yeah. be helpful. But, um, depends on what you want. Do you want guaranteed home ice? Do you not want Vegas miss the playoffs at that point? It's a, it's a coin flip. Um, we'll talk more <laughs> about home ice uh, later in the show. Um, but as we always do, we got to start it off with the prospect report and Justin, we'll go to you, uh, for that here, uh, to kick things off. Sounds good. It seems to be getting shorter and shorter. Uh, got a little bit to cover since it's been a couple weeks, but uh, uh, Simon Johansson's season is over. Liga got uh, – Ilves got eliminated, finished the season with 38 points, 67 games, had a pretty good playoff season. Um, Iowa has been officially eliminated from playoff contention. 
since we last talked, Marco Rossi broke the rookie record in points. Uh, previously held by Justin Kloos. Uh Previous record was 51 point. Uh, yeah, 50 points. He's passed it. I think he's up there at 51 or 53 points now, but uh, new new rookie points record holder. <clears throat> uh, another player season who's ended is Philip Johansson, so we'll kind of see what happens with him. He had a very strong playoff season, actually. Um, he had three goals, eight assists, and 47 games in the regular season, and he had uh, seven points in seven playoff games, so... Uh, really doing damage in the playoffs as opposed to the, the regular season. Let's see. Kind of scrolling through how uh, the Swedish Hockey League is just about ready to wrap up. Uh, Jesper Wallstead's team, Lolia, has made the championship round. He hasn't played in the playoffs yet, but good to see his team playing for the championship, which, man, during the regular season, it seemed like they, he couldn't get any goal support, and now his team's yeah. <laughs> playing for the championship. And now he gets, you know, he gets hurt for a couple weeks. They take him out like, oh, we're going to play another guy now. Right. <laughs> Pretty much. I hope you lose. Unless you play yeah. him, then I hope you win. <laughs> the KHL playoffs are in the championship round as well. CSK is in it, so Guskov and Svetlakov are both in the Gagarin Cup finals. I believe they're down 3-2 to two in the series, and the next game is tomorrow, so conceivably their season could end tomorrow. Uh, the WHL, OHL playoffs have begun. Uh, O'Rourke and Lambos are both really starting off the playoffs hot. They both have five points through three playoff games. Uh, Winnipeg, which is Lambos's team, they're, they're just dominating. They're up 3 nothing in the series. Bankier's team is up 3 nothing in the series. He's playing well in the playoffs. And uh, Kyle uh, Pavel Novak, he's, I think he only has one point. His team is... Last I checked, down 2 nothing in the series, so hopefully he can help turn that around. Uh, beyond that, there's uh, not a whole lot going on. That's that's kind of it for prospect news. Gotcha. Yeah, I have a couple things to add um, to that. Um, Ryan O'Rourke was named a finalist for the uh, – where is it here? Um <clears throat> The Max Cominci Trophy Award awarded to the OHL Defenseman of the Year. Uh, so he won the Western Conference. Um, just judging on sheer points, Nathan Steos, this guy um, from the Eastern Conference, has like 20 more points in only eight more games. So knowing how Defenseman Award <laughs> yeah. works, he probably won't win it, but a finalist right. nonetheless in Defenseman of the Year in the WHL. And then Marat Huznadinov um, won the Karlamov Trophy, which I believe is the MHL's like championship. Yeah. The MHL, I believe, is like... The KHL's AHL, if I recall correctly. Um, so he yeah. basically won the, the right. Russian Calder Cup um, with SKA, I believe, St. Petersburg. Um, yeah, I just scrolled upon that. <laughs> Seems like their season ended in the KHL, and then he went down there yep. to the MHL and helped them win. <laughs> yeah, so a um, couple more tidbits there. Um, Iowa's season, I believe, is technically over. I think they have games left, but I yeah, believe they... they're officially eliminated from playoff contention. Um, yep, there was some speculation if that could mean a Marco Rossi call up, but per Russo today, um, it sounds like he's dealing with an injury, so he's not going to play, which is great. Um, by great, I mean, that's horrible and that sucks because <laughs> we're hoping to see him here. Um, it seems like he certainly could have got the opportunity, um, to play 
It'll obviously be a black ace for the playoffs. Kalen Addison, I'd assume, in that mix as well. I'm assuming guys like Raul Cramarosa will be in the mix as well. Potentially Adam Beckman, Mitchell Chafee, guys like that. So we'll keep an eye on that, um, see if anyone gets the call to play. But obviously the Wild have things to play for here uh, down the stretch. Um, I guess there's just a ton of different areas we could start, but I think uh, this podcast, as pro Kevin Fiala podcast, um, has to just start there. Um, just an insane 10-game point streak, unfortunately, came to an end last night. Um, but Kevin Fiala is an absolute tear. I believe it ended up being 10 goals, 13 assists, 23 points. Um, and, like, if you count last game, so if you go make 11 games, like eight drawn penalties, and I don't know the exact number, but after, I believe, game nine, his expected goals was at something like 67%. And then I think the game after that, it was at like 75%. So it's probably a little bit higher than that even. You know, 68, maybe even a nice 69%. Over those games, dude was just on a mission every single night. And honestly, like, it looked better than Kaprizov. Looked like the best player on the ice in every game he was playing. It was just insane. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was up to nine drawn penalties yesterday. I thought I saw, but regardless. Yeah, because he drew three. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. He was on another level. I mean,. Seems like when we needed a big goal or anything, he was the one to, to provide it or the big moment. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously just, you know, kind of hard to figure out what more to exactly say. I mean, what you guys said, because I mean, it's been, I mean, you know, pretty much, I guess, you know, he has been good for, you know, several months now. I mean, even as we all talked about earlier in the year when he had like three goals in his first 25 games, that was more just, you know, historically bad luck than regression, maybe well it and, always comes yeah. back. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so it's obviously, you know, maybe a little bit of a, you know, I guess, you know, just coming back the other way after being so unlucky. Now he's pretty much been scoring. I mean, over the last couple of weeks, he's been scoring, you know, a couple times a game, getting like four points every game. And, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, it, I mean, you look at the stats now, you think he broke uh, Gabrick's record the second, you know, mm -hmm. second time this year after Caprice out 84 points. And, you know, I mean, 33 goals, um, obviously an insane pace. I think coming into last night, like you said, Brett, he had like 15 points in his last five games. And, uh, you know, I think that's the one thing that, you know, Kaprizov is great on his edges. He's incredibly smart and is obviously on a different level. But Fiala obviously brings the other dimension of speed and like we've seen on penalty kills and all that, that, uh, you know, just has that electric kind of step when you, when you watch him skate that, you know, some of those, guys in the league have that you can just tell they have it and I mean I think he said last week you know I think it was either after the San Jose game or his quote was you know I don't you know what I when I'm playing well now I'm not thinking I'm not you know forcing it I don't feel pressure to score I don't feel like I have to score I'm just playing and then the success is coming to him you know like I mean, like I said pretty easily I mean it's it's basically you know obviously no no one was good in the last game last night but other than that I mean every night uh, you know he's there I mean there's been games in the stretch where he's basically been a threat to normal score on pretty much every shift that he's played. So it's, uh, it's been, uh, you know, obviously it's very impressive and has uh, obviously been a key to them going like 17 and four over the last month. Yeah. And I, I think mean, the thing that like a lot of people haven't even realized about Fiala, like I don't think a lot of people look at Kevin Fiala and think, Oh, elite passer playmaker. But he's got 51 yeah. assists this year, which yeah. as we know that the previous record for the wild was 50. Um, by Pierre-Marc Bouchard, Jeez. so that record broken three times three. now by Caprice Zuccarello-Fiala, who also, of course, have 
all I believe now past Zuccarello. I don't know Zuccarello. I don't think has passed Gabrick yet. He's sitting at like seventy nine or eighty. The injuries. I'm gonna present that a little bit, but fifty one assists on the year for Kevin Fiala, like just insane. Thirty three goals, Zeke, as you mentioned, for eighty four points in eighty games after basically not score. Like I think it was like three yeah. goals in the first twenty some games or something. So insane. just a torrid pace since then. Um, obviously, the big highlight um, of this stretch was the five point game against Seattle. Um, picks up five assists, four of them primary assists, um, and basically the one secondary assist was a tic tac toe play. Um, where, you know, must, might as well have been a primary assist. Adds on to that four high danger chances, a .79 individual expected goals on five shots, a plus two in the game, contributes three of those points in the power play, which accounted for 1.55 expected goals, and then a nice 90.9% uh, expected goal share at five on five. So just uh, for a uh, for those that follow my account, the, the player contribution score, the PCS, um, broke the season high with 11.12, the first double-digit player in the highest since the opening night hat-trick since Jewel Erickson Eck. Just an absolutely insane game and just destroyed the Seattle Kraken in that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember, uh, you know, I was at that game, and, I mean, you, you could see it on the TV. I mean, I think Roos said it yesterday that, I mean, they were all good. I think, part, you know, they basically just had their way with Seattle. Uh, they basically could do whatever they wanted. And uh, so, yeah, no, I mean, he was fantastic. I mean, any, if you're involved in five five of the team's goals in a game, you know, you're doing something well. But I mean, yeah, no, it was just it was, you know, same as it sounded. It was just more of the same, pretty much, from the previous you know like month from him. Yeah. I feel like him and Kaprizov are both a different type of elusive. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like the stick handling that Fiala brings is just on another level. You saw that play last night where he kind of split two defenders with kind of a half twist type move and got that pass off to Goudreau which you know he missed missed the net <laughs> that would have been such a sweet goal if he did yeah. but as many points as he's picked up he could have many more just oh, yeah. and, and you kind of wonder if, if Baldi was here up without injuries in the beginning of the season and such I, I think we'd have two players touching 100 points yeah I think I for think, me you, you know the, the difference you said the kind of the way they create you know, their opportunity. I think Fiala, if you give him space, you're screwed. Or Kaprizov is more like he'll create that space, you know, yeah. more likes to play more along the walls, kind of in the corners where Fiala's looking to maybe play a little bit out high, find that lane to the middle, more the quick strike transition guy where Kaprizov might, likes to play a little bit more, I think, on the forecheck, um, which, you know, a little bit better fit for the Ryan Hartman type there. But, yeah, I mean, those two, I mean, we, we saw that stretch where those two were just both on, and it was, it was something to see between, you know, every other shift you got one of the best, you know, two amazing players on the ice. And it's just something we've never been treated to as wild fans. Right. And, yeah. And I mean, I know we've talked about it and everyone's no, like, pay Fiala, but we need to pay Fiala. We need to keep him some way. Somehow we need to keep the two lines that are absolutely dangerous between Zuccarello, Kaprizov and Boldy Fiala, and maybe adding Rossi to that next year. Just those two lines. If one's not going, the other one is. And if both are going, other teams are just, it's, you can't stop them. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, think we're, we'll talk boldly here in a minute, but I think, you know, like you guys are saying, they're, him and Fiala's chemistry, it's basically, I mean, it's just, it's like watch Kaprizov and Zuccarello when they'll make their five passes through traffic, uh, you know, zipping around, like you don't know how they find it. I mean, there's, a, you know, I can't remember, yeah, I mean, in several games, they're, you know, especially in the power play when they have had success, you know, they'll cycle it out, you know, up out high, you know, make, you know, small little passes back and forth. And, uh, 
and it will create plaza nowhere. And I mean, even that uh, awesome goal Fiala scored in Nashville backhand after he, you know, turned around Nashville through went through five guys that started with a pass from Boldy. So yeah, no, I think I think that's a good point, Justin, about the lines. It really, you know, it makes it hard to defend. You know, like we saw last year in the playoffs, how Vegas is able to focus on the top line, shut down eighty seven, and you know, take a chance with the rest of everybody else and. You know, like you said, that you know, the second line it basically gives them you know two top lines as you mentioned, and that's uh, you know it's not always. I mean, you know, other teams have it, but that's a really great luxury to have, uh, just to be able to basically send. You know, I mean, yeah, like I said, you have two top lines. It's, it's pretty great. Yeah, and I think a big piece of Kevin Fiala, as we touched on, has been you know Matt Boldy, who you know quietly has been on a little point streak of his own. Um, I believe the league calls it 10 games, um, but realistically he has points in the last 12 that he's played, and I believe it's 15, um, if my math is correct, in the last 12, um, <clears throat> three goals and 12 assists um, in that span, and he's just been great, you know, continues to look more and more confident with the puck. I mean, it's just, you have to remind yourself sometimes that you're watching a kid that just turned 21, um, who hasn't even played 50 NHL games yet, hardly and he carries the puck into the zone, makes an escape move, looks to buy time, find open players. And I just, you know, you watch young players so often panic in those situations or just, you know, oh, I got to get the puck deep. I got to get the puck deep. Um, you know, occasionally does it lead to some turnovers from Matt Boldy? Yeah, but you can just see just the IQ that he has, the way he sees the ice, finds open players, you know, the value on the power play that he brings too. I wish they could find a way to get him into the first unit as well. Um you know, obviously hasn't clicked as much on that second unit with not quite as many skill players around him. But just as every game continues to go on, it just seems Matt Boldy gets better and better and more confident. Um, his 82-point pace is something, I think it's like 71, which I believe would be like the sixth highest since like 2000 um, among names like Archemi Panarin, Brock Besser, Matt Barzell. Um, obviously Kaprizov, I believe, is like a 76-point pace last year. Like Kaprizov, remember, did all this as a 23-year-old bully. You're looking at someone, you know, 23, 24-year-old for Kirill Kaprizov. You're looking at Matt Boldy, a 20, 21-year-old, basically three full years younger and putting up similar production to Kirill Kaprizov, who, as we just saw, become the first 100-point player. And, you know, am I saying Matt Boldy will become a 100-point player? No, but could it happen? And would it surprise me? No. Like, he's just, mm -hmm. the, the way he just controls the ice, I mean, he's he's incredible. And I think we've talked about it before, like, you know, obviously he doesn't maybe have the same necessarily dynamic skill, you know, that Caprice on Fiala does, but he almost has, and I think it's been said before, almost like a center-like qualities to him, where he can, you know, like you mentioned, Brett play on the power play, he's a great passer. You know, we saw obviously in the World Juniors him, you know, pl making plays from behind the net there, and kind of along the wall there on the power play. I mean, we've even seen him, as you mentioned, occasionally when he's gotten a chance to be on the top unit there, make plays there too, and I think... You know, that's just obviously it's a different style. He's not, you know, the same dynamic skater, which was, you know, if we can remember that that was the kind of concern with him when he was drafted. But yeah, no, I mean, he's certainly made, you know, certainly made all the people like me who were, you know, uh, whining that they didn't pick Cole Caulfield a couple of years ago, you know, wrong. And, uh, but I mean, no offense to Cole Caulfield, he's a good player. But I think, you know, he just, uh, you know, it's, I mean, again, I don't really know what else to say other than the fact that. As you mentioned, I mean, 39 points, 45 games. Uh, that's that's awesome. I mean, he's just uh, – I think that's, you know, like you said, that's been really a key to their success this season is that, you know, you, I mean, you knew he'd be good, but you didn't know how soon he would be this good, when he'd be the lineup, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, the fact that, you know, they basically 
got to add about halfway through the season in Boldy, a, a basically another top line, top six winger, you know, who's just turned 21 into their lineup has, uh, you know, been probably, you know, it seems a huge part of their success this year and has really, you know, kind of helped them get that depth that, you know, maybe, you know, it really just made their scoring depth, as we said, that much better by adding him. And, uh, you know, as other people have said, it's, it's too bad he hasn't played the full season because if he was, you know, if he'd played even 20 more games, there's a good chance he'd be in. I think even if he had 10 year. more games, honestly. Yeah. Like, if he got yeah. here a month sooner, um, mm-hmm. I think, and he, I don't think it'd be close, right? Like, yeah, well, most yeah, Ciders I mean, had a, you know, pretty good year in Detroit, mm-hmm. you know, all things considered, but that's still a pretty bad team that gets a lot of goals scored on him. And Ciders been good at times, but, I mean, you look at what Matt Boley brings. Um, I think you know, it was... It's a little bit out there as a statistic, and you have to take all analytics with with a grain of salt. But I believe um, evolving hockey's like games above replacement has Matt Boldy's like I think it's at like four and a half, which was like higher than McKinnon, um, and fewer games higher than Fiala, and fewer games like obviously like a lot goes into their models, and it it favors some certain attributes over others, and to figure rink rink bias and all that stuff. But like to even be in consideration with guys that are you know well thought of as these top line players, like. Kevin Fiala is there already at 20, and I don't think, like Zeke, as you mentioned, if it had been 10, 20 more games, I don't even think it would be, you know, it would have been as unanimous as Kaprizov last year, I think, just with how good he's been and what he's added to this team. But I'm um, hoping maybe if he can continue to finish, you know, there's two games left, I guess, but you know, if he can finish the game on a 14, technically 12 by the NHL standards point streak, um, maybe that gives a little bit of a notice from people. Uh, maybe it gets him some votes. Will he win it? Probably not, but, you know, I think he deserves to be in the top five at a minimum. Right. I don't have much more I can add to that from what you guys just talked about. But um, like you talked about, he just he seems so comfortable. Like he's played 300 NHL games, not mm-hmm. 40, whatever, 45. Um, you always saw him at BC in the World Juniors with that strong board play, and you kind of wondered how it would transition to the NHL because you know, that could be kind of a tough transition. But he just – He's strong against the boards in the NHL, too. He has a way of creating this space at 20, 21 years old that you just don't see out of a lot of kids that age. It's it's pretty amazing to see how comfortable he is in the NHL, too. Absolutely. Well, an- another player I kind of wanted to bring up that's maybe been flying a little bit under the radar amidst everything happening lately um, is Drew Erickson Eck. After going seven points without a game, um, from April 10th up until April 21st, he's racked up eight points in his last three games, five goals, three assists, um, two back-to-back three-point games, um, playing alongside Connor Dewar and uh, Joseph Cramarosa, one of those games. And the other one, I think it was with Nick Delorier, and uh, I think it was might have been Dewar again that game too. Yeah. Um, but like just to put up crazy numbers like that without your normal line mates, and then of course gets – Gets Felino and, and Eric or in, uh, Greenway back last night, throws up a goal and an assist to get the game tied before they kind of piss that away um, <clears throat> to Arizona. But, I mean, X, you know, seemingly catching on at the right time. He's been a big reason that the power play was finding success, chipping in on some power play goals, um, some assists there as well, which still baffles me. There was a point this season where they took him off that that top unit for a little bit. Like, oh, yeah, it's our power play struggling. How do we fix it? Uh, let's take off the guy that leads the team in power play goals. Um, didn't see the logic there by, by Dean and the staff, but, um, yeah, it just, you know, it's Jewel Erickson Eck. And I think, you know, you look at, especially the game with, you know, Kramer Olsen, Connor Dewar, you know, essentially two AHL forwards, 
Um, I think they had something like an 89% expected goal share that night, scored a goal. Like, and we've, we've said it from the start with Drew Eric's neck. It doesn't matter if you play him with Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid or with Joseph Cramarosa and Connor Dewar. He's going to play the same way. He's going to play hard. He's going to play down low. He's going to play north-south. And it just doesn't change. And it's just great to kind of see him, you know, string together really a couple strong games here heading into the playoffs because he's obviously going to be a key player for them um, against the Blues and, and hopefully after that as well. Yeah, I mean, you always <clears throat> knew him as a, a good two-way defensive, more-minded player. You know, have that grief line in the beginning of the year go, what, 20-21 games without allowing a goal. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he's still – he's at 26 goals. He's so close to 30, adding another 30-goal score to to this team. Between One of Hartman my bold predictions Fiala. beginning of the year. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, he played it. Mine, I, I'm retaining but... that. I believe his 82 yeah. game pace would be 30 goals. So yeah, well, when we revisit those in the year, I, I might uh, might count it with an asterisk. Right, <laughs> but it's just good to see him grow that offensive side of the game, and kind of like Fiala has grown his, you know, he was more offensive minded. You know, he gets the turnovers. Obviously, that's kind of just the type of player he was. If you, offensive player, it's going to happen but he's added the penalty kill to his repertoire and, and played stronger defensively. So you're seeing these guys at 25 years old kind of maturing and getting it and kind of all around rounding out their game. And it's, it's awesome to see. Awesome to see get some offensive success. Yeah. And what yeah, I, I mean, didn't I think... tell the listeners is that I was going to say nice things about Jordy Ben on the podcast <laughs> um, last week, and then he went out and just shit the bed and looked like Jordy Ben of old Oof. last night. So he is lost. <laughs> Yeah, all privileges of me to say nice things well, about him. But long story, he, he did have a stretch of eight very solid games, but um, looked looks like his old self last night. Yeah, you can't. It's not a good look to get walked by thirty five year old Antoine Roussel. No, who had like something score. like six points all year. Oh, I yeah, think well, that, that, that's embarrassing. But yeah, no, it, God, you always forget how much everyone has hated that guy uh, when he was in Dallas. Which pain in the ass he is, but yeah. Yeah, no, I think just going back to Ekka, I think, you know, like Brett, you mentioned with how he just doesn't change the way he's, he plays regardless. And I think, you know, Justin, you said he, he has had more offenses game last year, all that. And, you know, as you guys both mentioned, the fact that, you know, he's done that without sacrificing anything is great. And I think, you know, some, I remember I saw some comments a couple of weeks ago, I think, basically saying, well, you know, if he's only scoring most of the goals in the power play, you know, does that mean as much? It's like, well, Number one, have you seen their power play? You know, if we need somebody to score, if, if he's going to, you know, I mean, he's been the perfect net front presence, tips bucks, gets rebounds. And I think last year, I think he might have had just one power play goal out of all his 19 that he scored. And, you know, I think this is. Yeah, just, I don't uh, think he was hardly playing on the yeah. power play. No. Yeah. So I think it just basically this year is just reinforcing that, you know, with the, the, the bet they made on signing him to that long term contract and, you know, just him as a player that, you know, last year was not a fluke at all that he's, you know, I mean, he's not some great offense player. He's not going to score 70 points a year. But, you know, as you mentioned, Justin, you know, he's a guy who probably can get close to 30 goals every year while playing you know, his usual great two a game. And I think it's just been, you know, for me, it's just basically been, you know, reaffirmation that, they, uh, you know, that he is that good and that, uh, you know, that contract is going to last age really well, you know, through his 20s here as he, you know, seemingly is probably going to be this kind of player for a long time. Yeah, 26 goals, 23 assists, 46 points, and a plus 16 through 75 games this year for Eck to go along with just superb defense on one of the best shutdown lines in the league. Like, I don't know you could ask for much more out of your 
you know, you can call him your second line center or your third line center. Either way, you slice it to get 50 points, um, yeah. you know, out of that role on your team is fantastic. Um, and, you know, ex- and expend that for the while, which Zeke, you said on they, they bet on him and it uh, it's paid off as has, you know, Ryan Hartman, who quietly just eclipsed 30 goals on the year somehow. He's got six, like he's got 63 points, which is wild. He has more goals than Fiala. I think that's pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Like, he has more goals than Kevin Fiala. Like, what? Yes, but, more than his last three years combined. Yeah, yeah, crazy. It's um, He has 92 career goals. 34 of them are this year. So um, the Ryan Hartman breakout is is here. And, um, you know, I still, like, I don't remember the exact context of, I think it was just when we had, I'd put out, like, one of my cap-friendly things is people were like, oh, the Wild Sleeve number one center. I was like, what's the number one center to you? Is it a 35 goal scorer and 65 points <laughs> that can play between Kaprizov and Zuccarello? I'm like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, they have that. It's Ryan Hartman. I do. Yeah. <laughs> and people seem to forget that Bill Guerin has a team that runs through its wings. Right. Like, and it, and he said Hartman's that from day one yeah. when he came in here. Um, and I, you know, I think with the exception of the Eck line, we've seen that whether it's been, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's been the fourth line, you know, guys that have fl- flanked Victor Ras for a period of the year, you know, now the fourth line guys that are flanking, you know, is it Tyson Jost or Nick Bukestad or Connor Dewar's ever down there? It's Duheim, Delorier, it's Kaprizov, Zuccarello, Fiala, Boldy. Like the center's just mm-hmm. play north south, be responsible defensively, and just when called upon by these skilled wingers, put your stick on the freaking ice and score goals. And they've done it. Um, and like it just seems too like Freddie Goudreau, you know, just when you think you want to like, ah, man, I'd like to see someone Not else. Sure. He'll, he'll go out and he'll have a good game, and you'd be like, yeah, he's fine. Yeah. Like I was, I, I was talking to someone about it. I was like. If I could, and I mean this in like a nice way, like if I could sketch up the most average third line forward of like, hey, this is this is the average player. He's just going to do all the right things, nothing flashy. It would be Freddie Goudreau. Like just the most mm-hmm. average third line player, but like yeah. in a good way. Well, I mean, the fact that the thing with him is, I mean, you didn't even know if coming to this year if he was even that. I mean, he played like right. what, like 100 NHL games, yeah, scored I mean, five goals. making so. what, isn't it like? 700 million half something maybe. yeah i don't even think it's i think it's I think it's less than a million dollars yeah so yeah it is yeah, yeah i'll look so, it up quick pretty good deal i think it's not maybe 1.2 cap friendly what it is well, i mean you see him make guild plays too it's not like right yeah, oh, yeah always average you see that play where boldly flipped the puck over the the vancouver player's head kevin fiala headbutts it gets it over to gudro and gudro makes a good move to get past the d-man just misses a goal but yeah 1.2 yeah. million a year yeah that's the guy who's putting up 40 points and i mean he's one of the only guys in the team who's right at 50 percent on the face-off circle too Mm -hmm. which has improved i think kind of as years gone on we've seen him get better and better and Mm -hmm. um him and fiala have turned into a really good penalty killing duo i'd argue probably the wild's best penalty killing duo um especially kind of over the last month or so here we've seen them you know getting better at reading plays finding each other um justin think you alluded to you know that chance they had the other night where fiala you know, got it to Goudreau and he had the top corner and just barely just got in a hair too tight on the angle. But it's just little things, you know, obviously would we love to see Marco Rossi in that spot? Yeah. But, you know, Freddie Goudreau has been serviceable, done what he needs to do. You know, if you heard, you know, we know Dean Evison loves him from his time in Milwaukee, we advocated to bring him in. But I mean, if you listen to Russo's podcast or we're at the, sh- or at the show on Tuesday, Garen loves him too and loves what he brings and, and what he does. So, um, What's curious to me is where he fits in next year. With all all this said, because they're, yeah. it's, Rossi will not be on the fourth line. I can assure you that. 
and he's not going on the grief squad. I don't think you're taking Hartman off the Zuccarello Kaprizov line without what he did this year. So I'm really curious to see what they do um, with Freddie Goudreau. Um, maybe it's his Marco Rossi and Matt Boldy and Freddie Goudreau as your third line if you can't hold on to Fiala. Who knows? Um, yeah, but <clears throat> not a bad problem to have. Um, no, when you look no, at you know, many good players. I think if you would have told Wild fans coming into the year that with the centers they had, that they'd have a 65-point center, a 50-point center, and a 40-point center, they'd have been pretty damn happy with that, and that's what they're going right. to end up with. So, Well, and add a 104-point winger, an 84-point winger, right. uh, uh, 39-point to 45-game-point winger. It's, it's all for a complimentary. For a combined, yeah, and for a combined, like, 8 million bucks. Or right. Less, too. That's great right. value. Um, well, kind of moving on here, Pardon me. Um, I guess we can talk a little about Kirill Kaprizov. Because um, what would our podcast be if we didn't just say nice things yeah. about Kirill Kaprizov for a little bit? Um, you know, his historic season continues. Now the franchise leader in basically everything in single season goals. Yeah. <laughs> He's passed Zuccarello and assists. He became the first 100-point player um, in that game against Seattle, which was, you know, of all the things that happened that, that like Eric Snack had like a three point night, Kaprizov had a four point night, Fiala had like a five point night. It was like those three on every single goal it seemed to start yeah. the game. Right. It's like that, like it, I think three of those came like pretty on the power play. It's like the wild goal on the power play and those two touched the pocket. It was in the back of the net. Um, you know they had the tic tac toe play, the great redirection. Um, I think on the Kaprizov, I think that was the Kaprizov goal where he just like effortlessly mm-hmm. tipped it in the top corner yeah. on the on their pass from Fiala. Um, <clears throat> but you know, continuing just to to have a historic season, and um, I think anytime you get to watch a hundred point player on your team, you just got to cherish it because you can hope it'll happen again, but there's no guarantee that it will. And it's just been, I mean, even nights there's been nights I'm like ah, I didn't really feel like I saw a lot out of Caprice, like kind of like last night, like it felt like that line like at five on five didn't do much, and you look at the score, she's like, oh, he had two assists in the game like somehow <laughs> like even when you think Kaprizov doesn't have a good game he's somehow on the score sheet and I think that's just the just the ultimate mark of a good player is even as off nights he's still finding ways to chip in yeah yeah I mean, he had, well, I mean he, oh sorry go ahead sorry. No, I'm sorry to keep interrupting no, each other but you see no, how okay. well Fiala is doing and it's almost like you forget that Kaprizov has 12 points in his last five games and and uh just Man, what a treat to have these two players. Uh, I, I just kind of want to go back to the game I went to with my son, too. Because uh, this is good things about Kaprizov. You just see how he is with the fans, too, and just how much of a treat he is all around. Like He's so awesome with fans. and I missed it, but apparently he waved to my son. My my wife caught it. <laughs> and then my son ended up on the scoreboard, too, during warm-ups. Oh, it's just... Awesome. Man, just... It, it, I don't know. I... I Kaprizov's amazing all around. Yeah. Well, I mean, he got the the next night against Seattle. He got the 100 point. He got, you know, he's probably third or fourth standing O with the whole building going yeah. nuts in giggles. the last month. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, just, yeah. It's another day at the office. Kid fun, man. Yeah. yeah. That was. And, and to me, was that awesome. was one of the coolest things about that game is Kaprizov hits 100 points. Fiala hits the five point night, a 50 assist mm-hmm. season. Um, you know, has a historic night, probably the best game he'll ever play in his career, I would imagine, for Kevin Fiala. Probably won't have a better game than that. I'd probably put money on it. Um, and those two are both more excited when Nick Delorier scores a goal, right? Like, it's just... Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
any I just there's so much there's not many teams. I mean I hate being the my sport is better hockey basketball comparison, but I mean how often do you hear well how many rings does X player have? It's never what did he do for this team? How was that team? It's all about individual accomplishments and stuff, but this team I think you know, I don't Kaprizov I think said something along I didn't even know it was close to hundred points or something and you know, all this stuff. Like these guys don't I'm sure they care about some of their achievements and stuff, right? Like they're keeping an eye well, yeah. on them, but yeah. they're so much more excited for each other. And I, I think mm-hmm. that's just, it's been so cool to see and so refreshing to see just the bond and the, and the care that these guys have for, you know, everyone from the best players in the team down to the, you know, the fourth line grinders like Nick Delorier as well and, and newcomers yep. too. And I said, I mean, you have to give kudos to Bill Guerin for building this, this uh, culture, how it is and the, the players he made, you know, captains and assistant captains. You got Jared Spurgeon up for the, the Bill Masterton trophy just for kind of what he's done for this team. And, I mean, quietly, he's quietly gone about it and helped change the culture of this team. It's amazing to see a team of players that are all for each other and just something we've never seen here, really. I, I can't think of a year I've had more fun watching in the wild. No, I mean, there's, I mean, it's the reason we can't think of it is because it's never been. Right. Like even yeah, even when the team has been good, like even in 2016, 17, that was, you know, they were good this year, but that was, you know, nothing like this year's team. And, you know, they, they were obviously weren't as good. And right. And I then they make the Hansel trade and it, you know, we'd heard about, we heard about how it derailed the chemistry locker room, right? All of yeah. a sudden, you know, Nate Prosser mm-hmm. was pulled out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. Eric Halla got bumped down to the fourth line. And at the time that Halla, Niederreiter, Pominville line was like, are you one of the best lines in hockey over that past month? And they bring in mm-hmm. Hansel and, you know, it was the opposite for the wild, right? Like Bill Guerin's like, how can I make this chemistry even better? And he goes and he brings in Marc-Andre Fleury, Jacob Middleton, Nick Delorier, and Tyson Jost, who like you've never heard a bad word uttered, you know, no. about those force character in the locker room ever. So just it's just insane. I mean, I think we touched on that last show. It's just not only did he bring in good players, he brought in good character guys too. And, you know, he preached culture from the start and he's he's delivered on it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it was Fiala after last game. A couple games ago, you know, he said in his postgame presser that, you know, we're like family, and I mean, that pretty much says it all with regards to how they think each other. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's what's that's what's the most fun, you know. I mean, sure, for me, too, is that when you see them having fun out there, too. Like, yes, it's their job. Yes, they have to win. Yes, they get paid a lot of money. But the fact that they're, you know, that they're having fun, it just makes it, uh, you know, it just makes it that much for, much for one much more fun to watch when you know that the players in the ice is not just you know yes serious but it's not just you know it's not just business like it generally looks like they you know are very excited to come to the rank every day and that you know that just makes it a lot of fun to watch right and i'm kind of going to go down a rabbit hole a little bit here with that (laughs) add on to it (laughs) even more so but you know you hear kevin fiala say that and he absolutely deserves a big raise Mm -hmm. um he's earned it big time but you kind of wonder if kind of the culture we've built and the fact that he has a freaking amazing line mate now like how much of that will go into maybe taking a little bit less money more term to stay with this team you, you kind of hope that's what happens even though he deserves you know a big raise it's yeah you hope he kind of takes a little bit less to stay with what we have yeah I, I was talking about that um actually at the russo pod after with a couple of their wild fans uh dylan lukes and uh, our good friend hideki um and we were talking about that and what i brought up about fiala is you know he's an rfa right like this isn't like a situation where he's walking himself an unrestricted free agency he could go sign wherever he wants like the wild get to choose where he goes 
Um, and you know, it's t- Tony Abbott pointed this out. You know, his you know, if the Wild can't resign him, his trade value is going through the roof right oh, now, yeah. right? Like Definitely. there are thirty one NHL teams that would probably love to have Kevin Fiala on their team, given that they could afford what he asked for. Um, but the but Bill Guerin, you know, we saw him do with Jack McBain. He's gonna go find the best offer he can find for a player. So if it does come down to trading Kevin Fiala, you know, in that negotiation, he might go, "Hey, Kevin, you know, you want seven point eight million. Uh, we can give you seven, um, but we can give you a team that can win. We can give you a linemate that you trust. We can give you a locker room that you love, or we can trade you to freaking Ottawa Senators, who are." five years out of contention and you can try to be the number one player there and rebuild everything you have here. If it's that important to you to have that, you know, 800,000 to a million dollars more than we can give you here. Um, and I think that, I think Justin, as you allude to, I think it's a very big thing, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to wonder at what point, you know, especially a guy like Fiala who has been bounced around has you know, been divisive with coaching and things like that. Like, does it make sense for me? You know, maybe I will just settle down and take a little bit of team friendly deal to give myself a chance to win. Um, mm-hmm. you know, cause we've heard it reported. We've heard it written kind of players that he wants to win. Right. You're, right. I don't think you're going to do that in Ottawa, especially in that division. Nonetheless, no. too, that's got, you know, Tampa, Toronto, Boston, like good luck. Right. Yeah. And, and I think if we sign, sorry, Zeke, I'm doing it again. To no, you, okay. but no, problem. no problem. Say we sign him to a six, even seven year deal. We're going to get him through his primaries. We're going to have X through his primaries. We're going to have Caprice off through his primaries. So if, you know, after all that is said and done and we can't build something around them, then, I mean, we had him through the primaries. You hope we win a cup or more mm-hmm. with these guys. But, I mean, you get them long-term, get these guys playing together through their prime, see what the hell happens. Yep. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, I think, as everyone knows, I mean, obviously they have Capri Saab, but having a guy like Fiala is just another reason for, you know, people to come to games, people to buy jerseys, people to watch on TV, people to pay attention on social media. Like, you know, even if next year it's next few years it's kind of tough, you know, maybe they're not as this good the next few years. You know, if you have that one-two punch down the middle, that'll number one. You'll at least, at the very least, be able to score. You'll at least, very least, be entertaining. And you know, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch. And I think it's it's tough because you know, I think you know, maybe he felt. I think last year, you know, as you guys we talked before, he maybe was looking for that longer contract last summer, and he didn't get it, and they took him to arbitration, which is rare. So, you know, you know, I guess it it just makes me uncertain a little bit how much he's going to want to budge, especially after, you know, feeling he was good the previous two years and then, you know, blowing up again this year. But, you know, I mean, like you said, I mean, you would hope, I certainly hope too that, you know, they can come to some agreement at the very least. I mean, it's, you know, it's certainly not going to be easy. There's going to have a lot of juggling, but I mean, like people have many said, and it's very simply, there's not a lot of times that you're going to find a 25 year old on your team who, you know, has is scoring 80 plus points. Is it, elite dynamic skater uh he's a legit top line to watch. yeah you don't find that very often yeah. and you know we've been looking for that here for 15 years and now that they have two you know it, it, you ideal it would really suck regard even if they did get some grade for him it would really suck to you know see him go after basically two and a half seasons here so you know hopefully they can you know somehow figure out a way to compromise and figure something out that you know works for everybody and it, for me, it might be kind of a minor thing. I don't know how the GMs really value either, but Fiala's been a really healthy player too. He's played in all 80 games yeah. this year, played in 50 to 56 last year. Um, 
<clears throat> 64 the year before that, I think there was an injury somewhere in there, illness or something. But, I mean, the last two years, he's only, I mean, if you really boil it down to it, has missed six games. Um, <clears throat> like, the, out of a top line, we're like, that's just important. I mean, we I think you look at the flip side of the coin, and we, we've discussed, and we won't belabor the point anymore about to keep Fiala, you're going to have to trade Dumba. Well, part of the tricky part now with trading Dumba is he can't stay healthy. Um, you know, we saw him miss whatever it was, was it nine something games earlier this year? And now he's down again and it's different injuries mm-hmm. and yeah, you can chalk it up to bad luck, but if you're trying to sell another team on Matt Dumba, they're like, oh, we don't want a guy that's going to play two thirds of our games. We want a guy that's going to play mm-hmm. all, you know, 90% of our games. Right. So, you know, it's that negotiation will be something, um, you know, I, th- I think at a very minimum, Bill Guerin at least has to have a pause. You know, if the plan was, yep, we're trading him. I think at a minimum, it's got to be like, well, maybe we do see what we can do here and explore all of our options. Um, but, you know, worst case scenario, they trade him isn't necessarily the worst thing because they will get a haul for him. Huge. Like, if you can recall what the Avalanche got for Matt Duchesne a couple years ago, they ended up, I think, turning into Kill McCarr, Bowen Byram, um... I don't think it was Byron, but it was for sure. I think it would be like McCarr, Graves, and like one other player. Like that's the kind of return. I Sam Gerrard, yeah. Yeah, I think it was Sam Gerrard, Kale McCarr, and I think there was another piece that came over that turned into something else along the way too. But like obviously, you know, they hit on the pick for Kale McCarr. That was a top five pick. Like I wouldn't rule something like that out. Um, Obviously, it depends his performance in the playoffs a lot too. But well, yeah. I mean, the thing with that is, I think you would have to. That would have to be a. Would imagine that it to be a sign and trade thing because mm-hmm. someone's not going to give you a load going right. into UFA next year. But right. I'm sure that could be figured out if needed be, if that was the issue. But yeah, I know it's you know that's a great point too. All right, well, moving right along here, um, Justin, it'll kind of be kind of up to you to kind of mediate these debates a little bit. Zeke and I, um, through some Twitter exchanges, have a couple topics we want to debate a little bit. Um, you can kind of give your opinion and see where you stand and. Um, I think we'll start here um, with the importance of home ice. Um, you know, I believe in, you know, from the sounds of Bill Guerin, if you heard him talk on the podcast this week, um, I think it's very important. I think the Wild would benefit from it. I looked at how well they've played on home ice. Um, Zeke, on the other hand, is, I don't think you're in the you're in the camp that it's unimportant, but you don't think it's as important no. as maybe someone like myself um, kind of thinks it is. So why don't you just kind of explain where you're coming from from that point, and then Justin, we can kind of have you weigh in, and then I'll kind of tie my tie everything back in at the end before we uh, move on to the next debate topic. Cool. Yeah. No. So I guess for me, you know, as you said, it's not that you know that it's not important, and that I don't want them to finish second place. Like, yes, obviously, you know, with how the crowd's been this year how, you know, the record 29-8-2 at home, you know, you would always like to play more games here. So, you know, I'm not in disagreement on that necessarily, but I just think that, you know, maybe, I guess maybe how I see it is, you know, it's not, I just don't see it as an absolute, like, failure if they don't get it. I mean, you know, because I just see it as, you know, you're going to have to win games on the road in the playoffs anyways. It's not going to be easy. I mean, Likely after the first round, you know, if the Wild do advance each and every round, they'll probably be on the road anyways. So, I don't know. I think my my, my basically my thought on it is just that, you know, you're going to have – it's it's going to be hard either way. And I just, you know, I get that, you know, as I'm sure you'll probably say matchups and last change and all that. Yes, it does help. And, and, and yes, it does provide some advantage. I just – 
I'm just un- unsure whether I think it's, you know, going to, I mean, you know, it could be like, like I could say in a couple of weeks from now, if they lose in, you know, five games or whatever, blues, you know, you know, I'll, I could very well be wrong on that. And then I'll admit that, but I just think that, you know, yes, it would be nice, but at the same time, I don't think it's a death sentence for their, you know, their playoff hopes if they have to go on the road to St. Louis for the first two games or for game seven or something like that. Just, I mean, partially I think, I think of road teams are like, I think all time I read like 17 and 16 game sevens while they're three and one game sevens on the road. So, you know, obviously it's, uh, it's still close and, and, you know, the game seven isn't the only deciding factor, but I guess I just think that, as I said, that it's maybe not, I don't think it's absolutely key to their playoff hopes. I mean, you know, as you said, it's it would definitely help. You definitely want you know any advantage they can get, especially with how they've played in St. Louis. It's not ideal, but I guess I just you know I just see in my opinion I just don't think having to play one extra game there will necessarily be a hundred percent difference. If they play well, I, I, they'll have a chance to win, and if they don't, they'll lose. But you know, again, we'll you know we'll we'll see in a couple weeks. Uh, you know how that shakes out. I just don't think it's, I just don't think it's you know, out of absolute importance that they have the first couple of games at home. Is basically. Absolutely. Justin, what camp are you in? I think for me, it's extremely easy and simple in my head. Um, who would you rather, if it came down to Game Seven, crowd? Would you rather have this team playing in front of? Mm-hmm. I'd rather play in front of the XL crowd than whatever the Blues Arena's name is. Crowd. I. I forget what each arena's name is but regardless change it all the time yeah it's, <laughs> it's still as the enterprise yeah. center something like uh, that shit. yeah something. So i think at one point it was scott trade yeah. and then scott yeah. trade became something right. like e-trade and now it's an, i don't know yeah. who cares no one cares right no one cares when it comes down to it you really it's the team's performance that that's gonna come down to the whole whatever moving on to the next round but you know, you've heard all these players talk about how amazing it is to play in front of this crowd. And I'd, I'd rather have 18,000 screaming wild fans in the building helping them feed off that energy than the Blues feeding off their home crowd in Game 7 if it came down to that. Yeah, what it comes down to for me, and Zeke alluded to this a little bit, I think I'll start, obviously, with line matching. And obviously, line matching is important, but I think you look at the Wild. They have the be- I, I say they have the best shutdown line in the league in the grief line, right? If you want to throw someone out there against the Robert Thomas, Vladimir Tarasenko, I think Ryan O'Reilly, I think, is kind of that line. Um, that's the line you want out there whenever you can get them. And to have that opportunity four out of seven games, I think, is ideal. Um, I, On top of that, I think there are certain players, you know, you look at a Marcus Foligno, a Nick Delorier, a Matt Dumba, guys who seem to me to play better when they're in front of the home crowd who, you know, will go make a hit, not to fire the team, but to fire the crowd up, which I think in turn kind of gets the team juiced up. Um, I think we've seen more of these big comebacks come at home too. Like it's the fans that pick this team up when they're down, where I feel like on the road, um, you know, maybe we haven't seen that quite as much um, either. And then just haven't loved the way they've played in St. Louis this year. And then I also look at, you know, some of the games in Nashville and you look at, you know, I think these teams do the similar thing right they're looking to start those fights early you know kind of get in the wild's head a little bit and i think when you get the other teams fans into it the wild i think get a little bit off their game and i would just like to have that advantage be able to match be able to have the crowd feed into the guys that bring the energy to the team um i think where it gets dicey especially into you know these final couple games and i think we saw it in arizona there and i think these guys are playing at a point now where they're playing not to get hurt 
Um, I think Ryan Carter pointed out on the post-game show last night the Wild had like six hits through the first 40 minutes. Marcus Foligno ended last game in his first game back with one hit. Um, like that's not the wild team that we know, especially the team at home. Um, so I think there's a balance and I think this is kind of where the debate spurred between Zeke and I is, do you rest players kind of coming down the stretch or do you play to get that home ice? And, um, that question was kind of asked to Garen indirectly. And he basically said like, no, we're fucking playing to win. Um, we want that home ice. He wants it. And of course, from a revenue standpoint, you'd rather host, you know, more home games and away games as well. Um, And that's important to someone that, you know, like him too, whose job is to make the team money and to be good. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. But for me, it just from the hockey standpoint, I think to start off that series, you know, with a win or two in front of your home crowd, I think gets you heading in the right direction as well. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, no, it's the, like I said, I mean, I, you know, I do very much would like, you know, to be, to be game one here. That would be awesome. I, and, and, you know, it's difficult. I mean, I think with Garen saying that, I think he does, like you said, I think he does mean that. But I think, you know, part of me also goes, well, I mean, what are they going to say? They're yeah, gonna he's say not going to say. Want four games at home. We want to lose. Yeah, but, right. You know, like, we'll, he's we'll not going to say. We'll lose, I'm indifferent, but, right? Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I will say that from the attitude he portrays, you know, I, I do also believe that, you know, he does actually mean that, you know, because as we know, it's about, it's about fucking winning. Exactly. That's what we're here to do. And, you know, so I, I do believe that. And, yes, no, I would be. You know, it would be great. Uh, you know, I certainly hope that they can, you know, win these last two games, uh, you know, or somehow, you know, some miracle Vegas decides to show up against St. Louis. Unlikely, I, you know, I, I yes, I would. You know, I certainly hope that they will get it. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I guess I just look at it as, as I said, that's going to be very tough either way, considering that. I mean, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but just looking, we've talked about how, Wild have so many guys who have 30 goals, 40, 50 points, or whatever. I mean, look at the blue scoring chart. Like, it's insane how many guys in the team have, you know, been great and had careers in this time. So, I mean, you know, I think it's, uh, I mean, like I said, it, it, hopefully they'll be able to come out uh, these last two games. I, you know, I have a hard time believing that they'll, uh, you know, play like they did last night against the Coyotes. So, uh, you know, I think they'll, they'll give themselves a chance to uh, have that for. I think would be like the that be the third time in history that they've had home ice. Yeah, I don't, I don't think know. That's they had often. it in two thousand eight and seventeen. So that uh, it, it's no. I mean, yes, no. I hope they uh, hope they find a way to get that for sure, though. I want to add one thing. What's what's a better way to go into the playoffs with more confidence and feeling better about, better about yourself if you beat Calgary and Colorado going into playing St. Louis? Yeah. And I'm really curious to see what kind of lineups those two teams ice. I mean, you look at Colorado, they just snapped a four-game losing streak last Mm -hmm. night. Um, You know, kind of took a nail-biter at the Blues down. They're up 4-1, ended up winning the game just 4-3, or 5-3. They did get the empty netter um, from Kadri. But, you know, know, maybe they're looking, you know, they don't want to go in coasting, I don't think, right? You know, especially against, you know, whether it ends up being, I think at this point, Nashville, Dallas could still be Vegas, but given... Stars are up 3-0 right now um, late in the second. It doesn't look likely that Vegas will get in. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do you want to come in, you know, kind of coasting and then play these wildcard teams that have been you know, fighting for their lives for the last month to get in, right? So, um, and then Calgary, you know, kind of the same boat. They've kind of had, you know, number one locked up in that division for a while, but I don't think they've been as good as of late. 
Um, Edmonton's coming in on fire. So I'm curious to see how those two teams play it. Like given, you know, they have home ice, they have number one in their division locked up to see if they, you know, if they're playing knock at hurt or if they're coming out playing playoff hockey, it'll be, it'll be interesting um, to see what happens there. Um, the other debate that, you know, we didn't even get in the Zeke because we wanted to save it for the show. Um, and we know you're a big flurry guy. Uh, I've been back and forth on Talbot all year because uh, goaltending is voodoo. But that is who do you start game one. Um, obviously, Cam Talbot hasn't lost in regulation, I believe, since the beginning of March. Um, he's like, you know, the official record is like 14-0-3 or 15-0-3 or something. Flurry now with the Wild is 7-2. and two? I, I think, think yeah, something like that. Seven it's or eight and two, um, you know, um, some of his games he's benefited from the wild offense putting up some bigger goal totals, but that's not to say that hasn't been the case for Talbot either, because it has been. Um, you know, you look at you know Talbot more of a kind of a career backup when it's come to playoffs, whether that's been behind guys like Henrik Lundqvist, um, I believe Mike Smith a couple years oh, with when he was with Edmonton was the starter, he was the backup there. Um, but we know Fleury's been hurt a couple times. He split with Lehner, um in Vegas before with Murray in Pittsburgh. So t- tons of different ways you can go in terms of experience. We know Cam Talbot's not been great against the Blues, not even you know starting this year, going into last year. Um, but for me, I'm still in the Cam Talbot's your game one starter, barring what maybe happens these last two games of the season. Um, or Zeke, you said you want um, more of the Flurry, And I think... Um, there's some good arguments for both ways here, so I'll um, I'll kick it over to you first to to give your case for why you'd go flower game one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you know, uh, just a you know, quick shout out to our friend of the show, Tony at the Tank Ranks. He wrote an article kind of on this subject today, you know, where he, you know, and essentially in a way, I think, you know, kind of explained that I think the you know, go read the article. I won't you know, I won't say it all here, but I think the main point was that you know, from what I could tell, that Flurry is maybe. At most of the time this year, fared better on stopping high danger chances, whereas Talbot has maybe been, you know, stopping more of the shots he should stop, and you know, maybe not let it in, letting in more of the ones that are harder. Now, obviously, that's different. Flurry has been allowing some softer goals recently. It seems, you know, usually one every game. And I mean, you know, you look at his numbers the last, you know, five games with the Wild here now. I mean, against Dallas, he was really good in that win, but after that. You know, I mean, I'm kind of disproving myself, but anyways, 867, 893, 840, 840. So, you know, not very good. And I mean, you see last night to where you know, he's kind of an enigma sometimes where he made that great stop, I think, on Schmaltz in the second period where he reached across to Robin with the glove. Yeah, that's been the then, weird thing is like is yeah. he'll make those typical huge flurry saves and then he'll let in like a Dubnik beach ball goal. And you're like, what are you doing? Yeah. And then he get then Anton Schrollman beat him cleanly from, you know, outside the dot. Yeah, even though, 100, you know, yeah, it came out all the way to feet away. Him, so. Yeah. And I mean, we saw, I mean, you know, a couple of times we've been there. I mean, that was against San Jose, you know, he had that, that one that was in against LA too. There's been a couple from way outside the blue line. For some reason he struggles with long shots at times, but I guess just my argument, I mean, you know, is maybe more based off pedigree and based off history. I mean, he's played in a, a ton of playoff games. He's played in uh, you know, like a hundred over him. Obviously he's won three Stanley cups, you know, and I just, for some reason, you know, I, you know, he hasn't been great this year, but I, you know, I mean, you know, maybe he's not the same player as last year, but again, he just did win the Vezina Trophy last year. He did play very well for a lot of the playoffs last year. And I just think that, I mean, I guess part of my argument is that I don't really, you know, I mean, you know, they, they traded a second slash first round pick for him. I guess I would be, I mean, I guess I almost would be surprised if they didn't 
lean his way for game one, but the, you know, but that obviously depends on performance. But I guess I just think that, you know, with, you know, with his pedigree, with his history, with, you know, his, he's been very good in the playoffs in the past. You know, yes, you know, I think when, as we just mentioned, Brett, when he looks bad, he looks really bad when he's flopping around. Uh, he just doesn't look like he has any sense for the net. And I think he's been, he obviously struggled recently. I mean, he even owned it up to it last night mm-hmm. after the game saying it needs to be better. Like, you know, I think that's probably the good thing with both these guys is they're both, you know, their own worst critic in that right, way. Where, that they, you know, Devin Dubnik would, well, I was interfered with on this one. I yeah, felt the ref didn't like give that. me a call. Like they definitely have mm-hmm. been good about owning up when they've been bad, which yeah. has been nice to see. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I think that's great characteristic. And I would assume that, you know, he's going to bounce back and be better, but I guess just my, you know, I guess my view on it is again, that, you know, they traded for him to play. I mean, I mean, I think at the end of the day, I mean, as we'll probably talk about, I think both of them are going to play if they're going to have any success in the playoffs. I think that's just going to how it's have to go. But in my opinion, uh, I would uh, give Floyd the start in game one, uh, just because, of his history there, but I mean, I, you know, you could see, I can see the argument with, you know, with his age, uh, you know, maybe he's just doesn't have it. Like he used to be, but I still think with the fact that, you know, he, with his ability at times to steal games, even though he has led in soft goals earlier that I think that, uh, I think that the upside is even if, you know, he does have a downside, I think the upside is just a little bit higher than what Talbot can bring in his overall abilities. Yeah. And I'll give my two cents and why I'm going Talbot. Um, and, and it's really mm-hmm. close for me. Like, it's not like it's for me, yeah. it's Talbot by a landslide no, sure. by any situation. Yeah. Like, it's not a bad situation the while they're in. Like, to have two very viable options to start game one. Like, I don't mm-hmm. I don't think St. Louis and they're going, oh, do we go Jordan Bennington or do we go Ville Husso? Like, they're they're playing Ville Husso. Um, like, that's yeah. a given. For me, what it comes down to, sure. I think, especially for a game one where there's going to be some jitters – there's going to be a little nervousness. If you're in front of your home fans, there could be a little bit more nervousness there. If you're on the road, you know, you want to have that good fo- first road period. And Ezekiel alluded to this, Flurry can have those tendencies to be a little bit erratic, flop around a little bit in the crease, maybe bring the anxiety levels up a little bit. Where I feel like Cam, and we've talked about this in this show, he's just mm-hmm. like laser focused all the time. Like the dude could give up four goals and he'll just, nope, I'm going to keep looking for, like I'm not going to get rattled mentally. And I think in a game one where you're trying to kind of establish and set the tone for the series, to me, that's the calming presence I want from my blue line. Especially, and we can talk about this in a bit, you know, if you're without still a Jared Spurgeon and Matt Dumba, like I want that stability in net for, you know, where my guys feel like they can make plays, be a little bit aggressive if they have to. And I think Talbot just brings that calming presence um, in net that I'd want at least for a game one. But I think, you know, that said, it's a short leash, right? If he goes out and he gives up three goals in the first period or something, I'm yanking him, putting Flurry in there. Um, <clears throat> I think what where the tricky part really comes down to is regardless of who your starter is in game one, what do you do after that? Like, it, is it, okay, obviously he plays well, you're starting in game two, but if he gives up three, four goals, but wins, do you go with the other guy? Like, I that's the part that's going to be like interesting for me to watch. But right now, I just lean Talbot because I want that stability for that game one where the nerves can kind of be there. And to me, Talbot just feels like the guy that you know might bring a little more of that calming presence. And you know, it does helps that he hasn't knock on wood if he plays when his last two games hasn't lost in regulation in you know two two months basically at this point. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> Justin, now you get a way in. Break the tie. Where right. you at? So I'm very torn on this because <laughs> I can see both sides really. 
both goalies, I feel like, gives these players confidence to play in front of. Uh, you know, Zeke touched on, you know, Flurry hasn't maybe been as good this year as past years. You also got to remember he played for Chicago. Uh, they've been yep. awful. Uh, you got to, you know, you mentioned he w- has won three Stanley Cups. He's also made many deep runs. I mean, he, he's played in more than three Stanley Cups because he lost with Vegas. Um, on the other side, Talbot, he's been kind of the hot hand, being what, whatever he's 13 0 2 or 14 0 2, whatever he's been. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just playing lights out the right time of year. It's, I mean, a really good problem to have. But for me, I think you ride the hot hand, and I feel like Talbot's that hot hand. I can certainly see the points you both make, and this is such a good problem to have for this mm-hmm. team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even if you ride the hot hand, yeah. Even yeah. if you ride the hot hand and he ends up squashing it, you, you got Flurry to play. Even if it's like partway through the game, you have that luxury of uh, switch one off the other. <laughs> they they just preseason mm-hmm. and like thirty minutes in, all right, switch it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm not, I didn't mean to go against you both times, Zeke. I just this no, I just, no, my mind kind of things. So yeah. Like, Trust me. I mean, hey. He was a. I will. I mean, I'll say this too. I mean, Tal. He was very good in the playoffs against Vegas last year too. Had a nine twenty three save percentage yeah. in mm-hmm. seven games and had two shutouts, and including that game five. Yeah, it was much more the offense than out, the goaltending last year yeah, against Vegas for sure. But they got out. But they got out shot like forty two to fourteen, mm-hmm. and he stood on his head. So, you know, and even when he was with Edmonton that one year, he did play very. You know, had like you know, he's been mm-hmm. does have I think like a nine twenty five over like thirty five games. So, you know, he is. Yeah, you know, you know, he's you know, he's very capable, and obviously, I hope, uh, you know, I hope whoever it is plays well because, you know, they're gonna need it. And uh, I mean, like you said, Justin, uh, I mean, we said this with forward lines too. Uh, you know, it's it's a good problem to have uh, too many good players uh, yeah. at any position. So I mean, we'll see. I think, I think regards to you know how they'll handle the rotation, Brett. I think, you know, I mean, people have brought up. I I don't remember it, but they've brought up how they went in two thousand three with. Uh, you know, their goalies back then and how, you know, I think Russo is kind of maybe talked about, you know, you know as he said. I like think he's working on an article about it, which I would assume okay. probably comes yeah. out soon, but For we'll sure. see. Yeah, so so read that if that comes out. But I think, I don't know, I think it'll just be, a, yeah, I think it's what you said, if a guy plays good one game but it's not great the next game, uh, you know. But, I mean, I guess, like you said, it depends on if they win or not. I think if if they're winning, that, that guy will stay in there. Yeah, but if they win, but it's like 6-5, to five, I got you come like, yeah, yeah and know. like it's, the other weird thing for me is like there's really been like no way to go to get a good inkling of like what they might be thinking because like well talbot hasn't lost in regulation in two months but they just started mm-hmm. flurry for like the third straight game but he's not playing well like is that okay we're gonna give flurry some games for games that sort of matter but don't totally matter give talbot a rest or is it hey we're gonna you know give flurry a couple games in a row here to kind of establish himself get in a groove so come game one he's ready right like i do, like you don't know what they're thinking and also because they won't fucking tell us so <laughs> no matter how much we ask and pry they're not they never give us an inkling into what they're thinking so um it'll be interesting to watch but like, like i guess yeah. i think no matter what like if if it's cam or flurry game one i might be like oh well that was the wrong choice um right of course, if it's Flurry and they go out and lose game one, I'm like, well, it's the wrong choice. I said they should have played Talbot. But, um. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, part of me feels like they're playing these guys in and out of the lineup to kind of see who's going to be in and out of the lineup. You see Dewar in and out of the lineup right now. The goalie's kind of taking You're different starts. Trying to rile me up? Uh, Jost. <laughs> I'm not trying to rally up. <laughs> not trying to run down a rabbit hole here, but uh, I mean – 
<laughs> I know where you're rattled with the Dewar comment, but <laughs> um, yeah, can we, these, these can we talk about are, Connor Dewar just briefly? Yeah, we'll talk about him since I brought him up. <laughs> so here, like, I want to know. I want an explanation from Dean Evison that explains here is why we are not playing Connor Dewar over for sure Nick Bugstad and Brennan Duhame, right? Like, it doesn't sound like Bukestad's in the plans as of now to play game one, but, like, especially Brandon Duhame. Like, don't get me wrong. I like Duhame's energy, right? Like, the guy likes to go out there, throw his weight around, but half the time he runs on like a chicken with his head cut off. He takes dumb penalties. He's not a great penalty killer. He's kind of just like a fourth line, like, meh. Like, yeah, he is what he is. Like, occasionally he'll flash a good offensive chance, right? Deloria, you brought in for that physical intimidating presence. He's not coming out of the lineup no matter what. Um, but to me, like, every game I watch Connor Dewar, and, like, Connor Dewar's not not physical. He makes timely hits. He makes hits that, you know, it's not the, you know, it be the Duheim hit that rattles the glass and sends a guy flying on his ass, but it's a smart hit. It separates a guy from the puck. I think he's looked really good on the penalty kill. Um, the game he was on X line, I thought he was unbelievable. Um, I think was that the Seattle game. I think that I don't remember which one it was, but yeah, like he looked great. I thought on the wing, like as a guy that can play center, he has one faceoffs. He can play in the penalty kill. He's disciplined. He doesn't take stupid penalties. Like the only argument at this point is like size. Like always, oh, smaller guy. We want the bigger guy. Well, like St. Louis isn't a big team anymore. They're a fast team. Like, do you want Duhame trying to run around and missing guys trying to lay him out, or do you want Dewar can keep up, play smart, and stay out of the box? Because St. Louis's power play, I think, is running somewhere close to like 30% on the year. We saw what, you know, the blue special teams have, how they've decimated the wild this year, same way Nashville did. Like, I don't know. To me, like, there's just, there's no argument for why Connor Dewar shouldn't be in the line. I think you guys are in agreement. That seemed to be a lot of fans, but, um, you know, we saw he drew the short straw last night, didn't suit up with Greenway. And Felino coming back, it seems like they've been trying to kind of, you know, build that chemistry with Joe, Duhame, and Deloria, which is presumably seems to be the game one um, first line. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's just like the big thing is the discipline. Like he stays out of the box and does all the things you want a fourth liner to do. And I just don't get why he's not an everyday NHLer because every game he plays, I thought he's looked really good. I mean, yes. Yeah, it's tough. I think it's just what you said. I think, you know, I think they just basically have made up their mind and who they want to they want to play and i mean right or wrong like you said that the whole size thing as we know a lot of nhl teams does play into that you know obviously i like, like you i completely disagree with that i mean you know i mean obviously in nashville he was great he was skating i mean he almost scored that he hit the post that one time you know if he would have shot that puck a half second earlier that would have been in the net I and mean, even then it was very close and it was just kind of all over the ice doing positive things i mean hey, yeah, you know, it was he hype thought, he had good games back to back like my agenda's yeah. working and, and then they scratched it. Not, yeah. I mean, yeah. Listen, he's not he's not a flash player, but that's not again. It's not really what you know. A guy on the fourth line. It's not really what their job is to be. Right. Their job, you know, you just want him to be good. You don't want him to hurt you when they're out there. And I mean, like you said, Duhame's just he, he takes a lot of penalties. You know, doesn't add a ton. You know, his, his speed is average. You know, difference to Dewar, as you mentioned, who's a little bit of better for skater. And I mean, you know, it's kind of. I mean, obviously, I would like him in. I mean, even for me. You know, I personally would also put Nick Bukestad in there before I would put Duhame in there at this point sometimes because yeah. I feel like he's had some games where he's, you know, he actually compared to Duhame, you know, his thing is he actually brings some offense. You know, I, I get maybe they're going for, as you said, that grittier, tougher, you know, style. But I think, 
you know, what obviously what Dewar brings is, you know, a little more youth, more speed. And even if he doesn't have a lot of skill, you know, the way he can, can move and get around the ice lends itself to actually be able to make a play, you know, when, you know, when he does have the puck. But I mean, as you said, you know, at the very least, uh, he's not really going to hurt you or slow you down in any way. Whereas, you know, so like you said, some of these other guys have, you know, some, at times done that a little more than you would like. Yeah, I think personally, <clears throat> I do like Duheim's physicality and his hustle. But uh, like you said, when Doerr has been in the lineup, I, I, there's not a whole lot of times where I'm like, why the crap did you just do that? Hey, he's a pit like, bull. Yeah, he's a pit bull. Like, <laughs> he he just, plays physical, grits, gritty. He will die Zach Parisi right out, we'll yeah, right. out there. Exactly. <laughs> he's like the, uh, the diet right. Yeah. Like it's the Zach Breezy, but you bought him at the dollar store. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, not disrespectful. Like it's yeah. just more like he doesn't no. have the offense that Breezy yeah. does, but like that work right. ethic and just like motor never stops churning yeah. on Doer. Love it. Like we mentioned with the goal, this is a good problem to have. Yeah, <clears throat> but sure. I would like to see Doer get more of a chance than he's he's had. I think he's mm-hmm. played what seventeen games this year. Is yeah. played in like seventy eight, and I just I don't dislike. Duhame one bit. It's just I want to see what Dewar can do with more time on the ice and yeah. more chance. Yeah, and I think one thing that I, you know wouldn't surprise me is if you know we, we talked about how the goalies if they maybe don't have the best game one or something that the other one could come in. I think that could very much be the case with the fourth line. You know whether that's Tyson Jost or I, th- I think Deloria. I don't think he'll be pulled off that line, but no. like Tyson Jost or Brandon Duhame, if they have a bad game, I don't think they would hesitate to bring in a Bugstad or, or a Dewar for for game two. Um, mm-hmm. I think they'll they'll move that around. That they have an idea what they want to start with, but I don't think they're like that line. I wouldn't say is dead set. Which, as we mentioned, not a bad problem to have because it's almost guaranteed. I mean, you'll be lucky to get through a whole series without injury, nonetheless, the entire playoffs. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and like Russo mentioned uh, in one of his posts, I mean, this is going to be like coming pulling guys in from the bullpen in baseball where. You're gonna have one guy in one game, one guy out the next. It's yep. the top three lines are set barring injuries, so mm-hmm. the fourth line is just gonna be kind of that who's performing better. I think exactly. Yep. All right, got my do a rant out of the way. Gotta push the agendas. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think that covers most of it. Um, I mean, at this point, I don't know how much more previewing of the Wild Blues you can do. We know the storylines from the year. Um, embarrassed during the Winter Classic for a period, came back a little bit, a little too little, a little too late. Um, and then the last two games, the Blues come back, spoil you know a wild win, um, you know like two three weeks ago. And then the last meeting, you know the Wild battle back late, tie it up, steal a point, um, and then obviously just you know can't quite wrap it up in overtime. But two of the three meetings have gone to overtime. And the third one was, you know, the Winter Classic, which there was so much more around that game. I don't even know if you can really put a whole lot of weight into it. Like, we know these teams are very evenly matched on paper. We've seen it play out on the year. Um, Maybe not as, like, oh, we can't beat the Blues and blah, 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 history. I'm like, I haven't really played them that bad this year, I don't think, you know. Um, They blew a lead. Blues blew a lead. I think as long as they're healthy, I think that's the key. If Spurgeon's back, if Dumba's back, mm-hmm. um, I think those are key. Um, I think you saw how desperately the power play missed their quarterback last night, not having a Dumba or Spurgeon. If only there were some young 20-something Iowa defenseman who has experienced quarterbacking a power play that they could have put in the lineup. 
Oh, we could use another mustache in the lineup. If only there was a guy like that. <laughs> oh, there is a guy like that. Well, I just didn't play him. Yeah. I mean, I think they uh, I mean, they definitely miss Matt Sucrell on the power play, too. Yeah. I think yeah, you even look at, like, around, kind but... of Kaprizov's five-on-five game, I think you can tell he's, mm-hmm. you know, he can't quite do give-and-goes with yeah. uh, Nick Bugstead the way he can with uh, no, no, Matt no. Zuccarello. But no. um, the good news is, you know, obviously Greenway Felino came back last night. It sounds like the Spurgeon injury um, isn't as serious as they thought. It sounds like there's optimism that both he and Dumba could be good to go for game um, game one, which would I think that would be everybody healthy at that point. So, um, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, at least at least healthy enough to play. We right. Don't know. Right. They're hockey players. What, if it's likely, if it's the playoffs and know, they're you know if they're eighty percent, they're, they're going to play. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for sure. Yeah. I mean, is there no, anything but, else you guys really want to touch on Blues Wild wise? Like I said, I don't know. If, no, I, I do I'm sure every other do. podcast in yeah, the Wild right. sphere is going to preview it at some point yeah. too. So because our next. Uh, show, by the time we record our next show, I think yeah. game one might already be done or could be being played. So, yeah. Yeah. I think the one thing we do got to do with them is stay out of the box. I mean, that's something you can say over and over again, but I do think we mm-hmm. stay out of the box. We can beat them. I know our history with them the past two, three seasons, but I still feel like we can beat them in a series. You just got to play smart discipline hockey and play our game and not try and mm-hmm. play mm-hmm. something else. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think it's, uh, you know, hey, I mean, it's, it's gonna be tough either way. Like I think that's the thing. Like you know, people are like oh, playing this, this playing them is a nightmare first round matchup. It's like well, which one is gonna be easy? You're gonna have easier time going to Denver or to Calgary or even to Nashville. Like you know, and it, they're all gonna be very right. hard. Like we, we and, can't know, go play Edmonton as great as that would be. No, like, yeah. we don't get to go I play mean, Edmonton. If, if the uh, if they had the correct playoff format, we would maybe get that opportunity. But alas. Uh, there's not that a thing, but you know, I think yeah, that's obviously just. I'm gonna like, see who would they play if it was formatted that way. I mean, I guess maybe it's not exactly that, but that's a topic for another day, really. But I mean, uh, overall, I just think. I mean, you look down the St. Louis lineup. We talk about the wild step. I mean, you look at St. Louis. I mean, just reading off their point totals, they got guys have 82, 77, 76, 73, 60, 58, 55, 55, 48, 47, 41. Like, you know, they. You know, we talk about how the Wild have two scoring lines. I mean, you, you mentioned Brett with Tarasenko and Robert Thomas and Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, you, you just kind of completely forget that Pavel Buchnevich and Jordan Cairo are ever at point per game. And Ivan Barbashev has almost 30 goals this year, too, kind of out of nowhere. So, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're different from their teams in the past, whereas they're more of an offensive skill team, not the same big, heavy physical that they were, you know, obviously known for for many years. But, yeah, no, I think – you know, obviously, as you said, if they're healthy, that's the key. But you know, it, it's not going to be easy. You know, maybe, maybe they have a little bit of an edge over them recently. But uh, it's uh, you know, they definitely have a chance to beat them. I mean, they've you know, like I said, they've played them relatively close. You know, not the prettiest games this year, but even last year, I mean, when they were losing a lot, I don't remember too many of those games being you know blowouts or you know anything. They just you know, maybe it's a little bit of a mental thing that's why i think a lot of us wanted them to win that last game in st louis on the road just to maybe get that confidence going but uh you know i mean like you said i think as you mentioned justin if they just stay disciplined you know don't do what they did in nashville that one game where they just completely lost it and got into all that uh just you know just play their skill game for check you know play hard play smart i mean typical cliche stuff but i mean if they do that like as you mentioned uh you know they should have a chance and obviously you know, generally they don't call as much in the playoffs. So, you know, 
hopefully that doesn't cause either problem either way. But I mean, you know, I mean, like you said, I think just the key is, you know, if, if they can play the majority of the series at five on five compared to usual, then I think that's where they're like, we all know that's where the wild advantage is. It's a lot of these teams is that they are, you know, they might not be, they might be pretty bad at special teams, but they are a great five on five team. So that's, you know, that's obviously key there not to give them too many opportunities. Yeah. So I did do the math. If they did mm-hmm. the format I proposed, if it was division winners are one, two, you see that everyone else three to eight, the wild would mm-hmm. either play Edmonton or LA. <laughs> I would, oh, I would like so that much, much more than yes. St. Louis, but, yeah. um, Oh, well. gotta be, oh, well. be it's the best to be the best though, yeah. I guess. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. You're going to have to be good teams to get to the cup, no matter what. The thing, the thing I will say is the wild can get through the West. I feel really good about the cup final. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much with anyone not named Florida, right? Like they yeah. pretty much own the East, every other single team in the East. I don't know what their final record was, but I think they maybe lost like four times regulation to the East this year. Like it wasn't a lot. Yeah. I think it was 23-5-4. Yeah. Like they were 15-0-2 or 14-0-2 against the Metro. That's um, insane. And like their couple <laughs> regulation losses, I think it's like one to Tampa, one to Florida. Um, yeah. But anyway. Um. Well, yeah, I think that's probably all we need to hit on on this show. Um, it's been long enough already, but uh, I feel like we did pretty good for considering we had two weeks and looking ahead here to kind of go through. So basically three weeks for the content into like an hour and 20 minutes. I'll call that a win on our part. Um, but I guess just before we wrap up, do you guys have any final thoughts here as we head into the final two games, Calgary tomorrow night, um, Colorado Friday, both home games um, St. Louis's last remaining game against Vegas on Friday. Um, update there: Vegas, Chicago tied three-three. Fourteen minutes left in the third of time of this recording, and Dallas still up three-zero over the Yotes. That period just two minutes into the third, but um, if the Stars win, Vegas is out. And you know maybe they try to play. I don't know how much of a spoiler they want to play against the Blues, but you no, know, I could see them resting a lot of guys we'll and see. just looking to get healthy in the off season too. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what we're looking at. Any final thoughts there? Um, not, I mean, not much. I think, you know, honestly, I'm just, you know, it's honestly just ready for this regular season to be done and get to the playoffs, even obviously as a wild fan, but even just as a hockey fan, I think a lot of the matchups will be really fun to watch. I mean, you're probably looking at a Tampa, Toronto, you know, Florida, Washington, Boston, Carolina, all there. And then in the West, you got Edmonton, LA, which, we talked about issues at platform, but I think that should be a fun series. The Kings being up and coming team. And then, you know, I think it's right now it's looking like Calgary, Nashville, Colorado, Dallas. And we've seen Nashville play Calgary really tough this year. So I just think that it's a, just seems like, you know, especially it'll be interesting to see if the amount of high scoring there's been this year will translate to the playoffs and how that'll work. So, no, I just think it's just, uh, I think this year's playoffs are going to be really fun. Just, you know, like I said, not just as a wild fan, but, uh, you know, as Tiger fans overall, it should be. You know, I mean, it's it happens every year, but it just seems like we have a should be a lot of uh, exciting matchups here in about a week. And then you remember that ESPN gets a bunch of the coverage, oh, and your heart oh, sinks. Yeah, it's too bad. We're, the wild. Hopefully, they can get the uh, right logos and the camera and right replays on oh, for the goodness. Cup final. Yeah. <laughs> as long as I don't have to listen to Leah Hextall, we'll be fine. Oh God! Yeah. Sorry. Love women in sports. She's just not good at play by play. No, she's just not, not very. <laughs> Justin, any final thoughts? Uh, not much to add. It's just 
best time of year coming up so enjoy it and uh what better way to enjoy it than joining our uh i forgot to mention it but i'll mention it now we have a nhl bracket challenge set up uh it's up on the page i can uh, retweet it or pin it to the page but uh, we set up an nhl bracket challenge for the playoffs and uh winner we'll we'll come up with some sort of prize maybe a gift card or something yeah, uh, we'll, but, we'll probably send you to soda stick to get you some sort yeah. of cool wild themed t-shirt yeah um, they have sure any really you want, basically. hartman <laughs> flipping people or that's 10k has a hartman flip people off shirt but we'll find I, I something think, there will yeah, be a prize of, of some kind where you can get yourself a t-shirt or some wild yeah. merch or something so i think so last year i think we did a fanatics gift card but yeah um maybe support local this year and do one of the local groups yeah. so that's a good idea uh soda stick does have i thought they had that bird watching yeah that's right yeah they do have the bird watching middle one, finger, yeah. so they do have harbinger yeah. they can basically have a, a, a shirt for almost any player you want yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah. as far as sound the foghorn merch goes that'll be something i'll probably look into this off season got to talk to people see because i do want to get some merch i know i want some at least you know a very minimum some stickers and stuff um because i know we've been getting asked about how people can support the show and our cause and i think that would be an ideal way um but just help us cover the cost of running the show um some of the things to potentially look forward to um as we kind of head into the playoffs off season looking at putting together a sound the foghorn website which will feature um some more info on the player cards perhaps more in-depth recaps may look for for people that want to write potentially a little bit there um and the other possibility which i have to discuss with these guys a little bit more yet um, we may move to youtube as well um and get some video as well for the podcast uh, my older brother is willing to to throw that together so if i don't have to do it um i'm in but we'll uh some things to look forward to sound the foghorn continue to grow we appreciate your support and we're getting into the best time of year playoffs we'll do our best to remain on our wednesday schedule but obviously we're going to play around our own schedules and for sure the wild schedule we will not record on game nights and um i i would assume there'll be a little bit more i assume it'll be a lot of tuesday thursday saturday still but i'm sure there'll be some back-to-backs in there somewhere that'll that'll mess things up at some point but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there so uh yeah great week of hockey coming up um there could be a playoff game before we record next for all we know here. I don't know. I think May 2nd, the playoffs start, whether or not the yeah. wild will play um, the second or the third, I think is yet to be determined. I assume it'll be one of those days. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, Zeke, uh, where can everyone find you and all your work? Uh, yeah, no, as, uh, as usual, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Zeke Boyat, capital Z and B uh, with you know everything going on, commentary, et cetera. You can find it all there. And Justin, you can find me at de East two thousand four. You can find me at Caprice C with the Caprice of Countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at b underscore marsh ninety two. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well at Sound the Foghorn, all one word, both on Twitter and Instagram, with all the latest happenings on the shows. Calgary tomorrow, Colorado Friday playoffs potentially monday or tuesday um so a lot of fun wild stuff happening hoping for a healthy team and just getting into the best time of the year which is the nhl playoffs and our wild are gonna be in it which is exciting uh so until our next episode this has been another episode of 